Hey everyone, we wanted to take a few moments to introduce you to a new initiative that's being housed within our worship ministry here. Um, as a people, we say that we want to be an everyday people of faith, not just a one-day people of faith where I do the church thing on weekends. Um, but traditionally, as worship leaders, we've upheld that one-day ministry that happens within the context of our building on a Sunday morning. And so we began to pray and ask God, Lord, what is it the way that you would have a shepherd and guide your people? every day, Monday through Saturday, um, during our weekly lives and not just one day a week, and we landed on a podcast. Right. A podcast. Why Why a podcast? We could have done a million different things. We mm -hmm. talked as a team. We could have a lot. music. We talked a lot. We right? tried a lot of things We as did. Well. We said we could record anything that comes our way, anything like that, but we said a podcast. I typically was not a podcast person. Right. Um, but it's become something that's become near and dear to my heart that is a pause out of my entire week. It actually sets up my week mm. for what God might be saying. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's exactly what it is. These 15-minute windows are literally designed for to transform your commute or to transform your morning cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, and I just I think that transformed moment after transformed moment begin to add up right. as we begin to welcome God into our everyday lives. And then those moments become so much more than just a playlist of music. Right. Um, but instead, they are these continual encounters with God as we delight in being in His presence, being with Him, um, and actually welcoming his voice to informing whatever our day might hold. And typically, a podcast would be something that you listen to, which is probably why I was not a huge fan of them ever, right. is that it's just downloading information. Mm. This is different than that. Mm -hmm. This is literally the whole practicing the presence of God is the stop and pause. Yeah. God, what are you trying to say to me? The scripture mm -hmm. verse, help it to come alive in my life right mm -hmm. now. Yeah, it's, it's very much like a, a personal guided time of worship. Mm -hmm. It's a moment where you let God speak. It's like a digital devotion almost that you yeah. can subscribe to, a backdrop for God to just speak to your week. Um, and it really is just a tool that we might become a people of his presence, that we might begin to hear God's voice in our day-to-day -day lives and personalize scripture instead of leaving it off in the margins of our lives, bringing it to the very center, that we might walk into our, our homes and our workplaces better because we decided to ground ourselves in what God was doing yeah. uh, in that day. And so you can go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, just search Practicing His Presence or you can go to AC lz.org and find the logo on our homepage. Uh, there's a new episode every Monday, so we just pray that this is a blessing to you and that we continually become a people of His presence. Good morning, church. It is so good to be back with you. I have enjoyed these past five weeks listening to Alex and Jeremy and even these last three weeks with Andy have just been such a blessing for me. I think we need, I believe actually we need the truth that was spoken to us through all, each of them. I want to take some time this morning and I want to share some vision for our church. And I'm really excited about this vision. I also want to share more practically um, vision for the rest of this year, 2020. And I just want to be really honest right up front that there is an incredible excitement, not just in me, but in the leadership of this church, the staff of this church, where God is leading us. But there is also lament. And in full transparency, I am finding this moment to just be really hard. And here's why, because I know to talk about excitement in the midst of so much uncertainty and so much grief and so much loss and so much despair and just not knowing 
that it's really hard to talk about being excited about something. And even the thing that I'm excited about isn't an easy thing to do, to experience. Change is hard, but I believe God is leading us. Actually, I would say I have never been more clear about what God is doing in my life, in my life as a leader, as a pastor, and in the life of this church as I am today. In the beginning of our response to this pandemic, and by our response, I mean the world in which we live, Natalie preached a message about not wasting our weight. And I want to read to you from Isaiah 43, 19, the passage that she used. And I want to start in verse 14 and read to verse 19. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they're so proud of. (laughs) I am the Lord, your Holy One. Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened the way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. God is reminding them who he is and who he is to them. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses and drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. And then in verse 18, he says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Could you imagine the the context of this and knowing what God had done for them and saying it doesn't even compare to what I'm going to do. And then he says in verse 19, and this is what Natalie shared with us, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And I am telling you, we need to clean to that. God, I pray in these moments as we just dive in to what it is you're doing and where you're taking us that you will just speak so clearly a word of peace to every person who calls Alpine Chapel home, who is part of a collective of people bringing hope to this world. I just pray that in Jesus' name. In verses 16 and 17, The Lord reminds Israel of how he delivered them from their Egyptian captures by opening up a way through the sea so that they could actually walk right through. And it says on dry ground. I mean, you talk about miracle of miracles. While their enemies were drowned. God is reminding them of that in verse 16 and 17. And then in verse 18, he tells them to forget it. Just here's what I did. And then he says, forget it. Why would the Lord instruct them to forget such an incredible act of deliverance? Why would he do that? Because man, that's a story they have been telling their grandkids, their kids, kids, which are grandkids. And the answer to this is found in verse 19, which reads, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The Lord reveals to his people, I will do a new thing. And what he goes on to describe is so glorious that it will eclipse everything of the past. I have to tell you, I have lived in an amazing time And I actually believe that that is still true today, that what God wants for his church for the future is better than anything we've ever experienced for good or for bad. It's not that Israel will ever really forget what the Lord had done for them. That was not the point. 
when he brought them through the Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh and his armies. It's not that they'll forget that, but when he performs this new thing, the past deliverance will pale in comparison. So what do you think he's talking about when he says this new thing? Here it is. The new thing looks on to the time when the Lord Jesus Christ comes to reign over the earth as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in Mark 1, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, Jesus declares the kingdom of God is here. And so we have the already. So the promises of God are true for us today and the not yet. They will be fully true in every way. When Jesus comes, the new thing God was doing that blows it all away is Jesus. We have the privilege of looking back on all of it and saying that was incredibly true. And that new thing is still impacting the world in our lives today. That's what God's heart is. We're living and experiencing that new thing today. I know many of you felt this when Natalie was speaking and I just want to call it out. That was and is a word for our church today. So many people responded to that. Don't waste the wait. God is doing something new. That resonated with our hearts. And even bigger than don't waste the wait is God is doing a new thing. We're still on that same journey as his people, experiencing it as real today as they were then. Taking every opportunity to lead his people from captivity to freedom because they continue to find themselves and we continue to find ourselves bound by the things of this world and the already but not yet. Why? Because we are inherently selfish. And so God has this new thing that he is doing in the world where he's reconciling the world to himself through Jesus and he's bringing his church along in that journey. He's bringing Israel along in their journey and yet it was by nature their way of going constantly selfishly wanting to do what they want to do, compromise their relationship with God, putting themselves back in captivity and bondage because they wouldn't listen to what God was doing and God wanted freedom for them. As much as it's true that we shouldn't waste our weight, do you honestly think God is going to waste any opportunity to continue this new thing that he's doing? When things are bad, God is actually doing his greatest work. I want you to hear that. When things aren't going the way we think they ought to go, when difficulties comes, James 1 says, consider it pure joy when you face trials and difficulties. Why? Because God is at work. God is doing his greatest work when things are bad, when things are tough, when things are hard, when there is loss and grief and lament. God is at work. You think during a pandemic he would have any other agenda than to grow the hearts of his kids and grow people in relationship with him? Do you not see it? It was all about covenant relationship, this whole thing. God wanting to be with his people, wanting his people to be with him, wanting them to be together. Do you not see it? We, a couple years ago, had a light bulb moment as a church. I, I, I declared it a light bulb moment. I don't know if we ne necessarily lived it out. I don't know what happened in many of our lives as we had this moment. But let me describe this light bulb moment for you if I can. We got to a place a few years ago where we said, for most of us, if we take all of our wants and our loves and our desires and we really look at what we actually, re if we do the inward work and the journey of saying, what do I actually want? What do I actually desire? What do I actually love? What is true about that? Not what I want to or wish I did or hoped I would, but what is true. And when we looked at what we held of our love, wants and desires for many of us, God was either a very small piece of that or not a part of it at all. 
And that was a light bulb moment to understand that we could actually lament that, not feel shame and guilt and condemnation, but come to God with that and say, I don't actually want you. I want so many other things, but I want to want you. And I'm coming with all honesty and saying, God, would you help me want you? And God is not insecure and he doesn't struggle with that. Matter of fact, he said, we need him to be able to do that to want to want him. And many of us began to see our wants and loves and desires begin to be redirected. Why? Because we were allowing God to be at work in our hearts, doing real deep transformative work. That was a light bulb moment that is impacting who we are today. We said in that moment, death to the American dream. Why? Because it's only created despair. It's, it's a worldly agenda, not a godly agenda. That for most Christians, Jesus, because of our pursuit of the American dream, Jesus is simply a value-add proposition, a stick-on-to-your-life, a I'll go to Jesus when he's convenient or when times are tough or when I need him, but he is a value-add proposition to my radical, extravagant pursuit of the American dream. And Jesus has absolutely no desire. Matter of fact, refuses to be a value-add proposition. He actually can't cannot be. Why? Because when Jesus actually shows up in our lives, he radically redirects our hearts. And a radically redirected heart desires to draw close to God, desires to draw close to God, resulting in an entire life, a whole life that revolves around fulfilling that one desire to be close to God. What's inside, church, comes out. And Jesus, if Jesus is inside, then he comes out in our, in our talk, in our walk, in our, in our loves, in our wants, in our desires. If Jesus is inside, Jesus comes out. 2019 was a year of preparation. As I look back, and we have the privilege of looking back, it's hindsight. 2019 was a year of preparation for 2020. I see it so clearly now. I believe God gave us truths in 2019 because he knew what we would walk through in 2020. Here's the thing. What did we do with the truths that he gave us? Because as, as God gives us truth through his word and truth comes through his word, then we need to take that truth and not just listen to it, but become doers of that truth. And, and that has been absent in my life. I'll be transparent with you. It's really easy to hear truth and be impacted and say, man, that was really good. But if I don't let that truth sink in through community and through my time with God, then it doesn't change my heart. It's not magical because it's said that it's done. We have to take that truth and we have to let it impact those lies, those sins, those, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation. And the Bible says we do that through community. We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it through the word of God. I want to take a few moments if I can, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I just think it's important. And I've, I've done this in the past and um, I want to do this again. I want to take us back to 2019 and what we talked about. And maybe if anything, just to highlight something that sparks in your heart about where you heard something that was good, but it didn't take the journey from your head to your heart. And maybe you want to go back and just grab a hold of that because in times like these, you need it. We need it. 
We started the year with just okay is not okay. I love those commercials. And we said that it's, it's, it's okay to accept your false self and just be okay with my false self. And yet God has this Holy Spirit given Jesus identity for all of us. And so to just be okay is to be fine with, what it, with, with being defined by everything else but God. But we want to be defined by Jesus. That it's just, oh, happiness is just okay when God has joy for you. Joy no matter the circumstances. This overwhelming joy where I'm lamenting, I'm sad, I'm hurting, I'm grieving, there's loss. But there is joy because God is going to use it to make me more like Jesus. And I get to speak the goodness and greatness of God in the midst of my struggle. It's just okay when we settle for fear over courage. It's just okay when we allow our brokenness to continue to break things instead of realizing that God has healing in relationship. That was it's just, just okay is not okay. Right after that, we jumped into not that church where we went to the, the letters that Jesus wrote to the churches in Revelation. Between Jesus coming and his return, Jesus knew there would be the age of the church. And so he proclaims what is, what is wrong and, and where these churches are missing everything he has for them. And we said, we don't want to be those churches. We want to be the church that is like Jesus, that models Jesus, that walks like Jesus, acts like Jesus. And that will be messy. And we put a stake in the ground and we said, we'll be messy church. And I think we want to be. I just don't think we realize what that would take or what it might look like. Now we have the opportunity to step into it. From there, we talked about trees not trying. Trees don't try. They produce fruit or they don't. And the whole point of we have to stop working on and trying to fix and work harder on what Jesus has already accomplished. We receive his righteousness and we grow in his righteousness when we abide in him. And we bear fruit when we abide, not when we try. The effort needs to be in the abiding, not religion. Powerful, powerful truth. Are we getting with God more and more every day? We went from there into this series called Identity Crisis, and we talked about the fact that everything in this world will try to define you, but you actually have no identity outside of Christ. That we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Are we living like that today? Does the world see that? Is Jesus your durable core, or do people and things and lies define you? Oh, Jesus wants to be the only thing to define you because he's the only thing that can. We went from there to kingdom over everything. When our hearts are radically redirected, our time, talent, and treasures are all given to God. Kingdom becomes what our allegiance, our primary allegiance is to the king of the kingdom, Jesus. And so it's kingdom over everything, kingdom over country, kingdom over family, kingdom over finance, kingdom over my wants and desires, kingdom over everything that God is, is, is impacting the world with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness is fleeing and one day it will be in its fullness because Christ will return. Alex got up and said community matters and we started to lean into community differently. That it actually is about being together in a way that isn't superficial or surface. We have enough of that. But it's leaning into the story of one another's lives and not judging and not criticizing and not fixing, but just being present. 
After that, we said Goliath must fall, that radically redirected hearts actually fight giants, and that behind every giant of injustice are people that need the love of Jesus. And so we are called now to bring our radically redirected hearts to fight for those injustices. Why? Because at its core, the, the nature of injustice is spiritual, but, or, or the, the core of, of injustice is spiritual because it's sin, but the nature is relational, and so we go. We, it's, it's our lives impacting others because God has impacted ours. We talked a lot about hope. Hope being a confident expectation of a better tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. And that has been just, just poured into us and we know it and we've memorized it. And from there we talked about these, these living values. Jesus is our hope. People are passionate. Matter of fact, I, I put in, a, in an Instagram quote that I, I just want to read to us back months ago. I said, this is a season when we're being tested as a collective. Are the values that we've talked so much about real or just nice, nice sentiments? We will live like Jesus is our hope. People are our passion. Worship is our response. Community is our design. Faith is our foundation. Generosity is our norm. Serving is our privilege. Scripture is our guide. Or we will prove that these things weren't that important to us to begin with. It's either true about us or it's not. They are the values we live by that govern our lives and behaviors or they are not. Holy Spirit, help us be honest with ourselves. If we see these values alive in us, we celebrate that you are at work and present in us because we see the fruit. If we don't see these values alive in us, then we lament that we're missing something beautiful that doesn't just change us, but will be the very thing you used to bring the good news of Jesus to a hurting, scared, and broken world. The living values, are they alive in you? We believe that they will actually come alive in you the more you are in biblical community. Community with other believers. The last message before this pandemic launched and we were quarantined, we said hope needs a collective. That those who have hope act like it. That hope is a confident expectation. Do you believe that? And everybody's like, yes, 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 because it's about to be tested. Yeah, we believe hope is a confident expectation of a better tomorrow. And so I rest in my identity that Jesus is the king of the kingdom and that God has called me to be part of what he's doing in the world. And I don't have to fear, but I get to be the hands and feet of Jesus slaying giants. Do you believe it? Yeah. Well, that was tested. And it's easy to believe in Jesus' hope when everything is good. The real test of that hope is when it's not. And when the pandemic hit, the first message that we did live stream with nobody gathering was stay in the gospel. Stay in Jesus, church. Stay in relationship with his Holy Spirit. Stay in relationship with his word. Stay in relationship with each other. Whatever the cost is, because it keeps you believing. We live in a world where the flesh and the world and the devil himself wants to destroy your life and will do everything in his power. But Jesus has come that you might have life and life to the full. And that fullness is freedom for the whole person, your emotional, spiritual, mental, physical, and relational self. It's all of them. And that's what God has put us here to fight. Stay in the gospel, stay in Jesus. And when you do, do you know what your filter becomes in times like these? How you determine what God wants you to do? How as a leadership, we are determining what God wants us to do? The filter becomes, what is God saying? God has a thought in this. God has a way he wants us to walk in this. Sometimes it's not the exact way, but it's how we walk in it. What does God's word say? Because he will never speak outside of what his word says. And so I need to know what his word says so that when I hear him speak, 
speaking. It's not just my flesh or the world or my wants and desires, but it matches his word. And do I have biblical community where I get to sit and say, this is what I think God is saying. And this is what I see in his word. And they can affirm it or they can say, no, I don't think God would say that. That's been our filter as a leadership, as a staff. We are constantly, weekly meeting as elders, as staff saying, what is God saying? What is his word saying? What do we believe that means for us today? Before the response to this virus began, we said something really important that I'm not sure we understood. And I want to highlight it again. And I want you to hear it at the core of your being. If you call this place home, the central offering of this church is biblical community, not a weekend gathering. That doesn't mean we, we don't have weekend gatherings. That doesn't mean the gathering isn't important. That doesn't mean that the, the, the gathering on Sunday is the villain. It's bad. Nope, it's good. There are the things that are good about that. That was not what we were saying. What we were saying is we don't believe people grow best through a Sunday morning gathering. We believe people grow best when you are in community with each other. And I know some of you are sitting here going, when are we going to stop talking about community? We aren't. We can't because we so need this. And so the central offering of this church is gonna be to do everything we can do to get you and your family and your kids around tables experiencing what it means to know and be known and have trust that brings greater transparency because we change when we're open and honest and we put it out there and we heal when that happens and we're accountable to each other and the spirit leads us, that transforms us. Has a lot to do with the new thing that God is doing. See, I don't believe the definition for new thing has changed. That's the mission of God. And we hold so tight to that mission. The mission that God is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. He is making all things new. He will make all things new. And all things will be made new. But just like people and culture and times, they change. And so does the way we do what we do. Sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. Jesus said, I will build my church, but sometimes we let him and sometimes we don't. I've been parts of that. The purest form of the church was Acts chapter two, verse 42, where they had everything in common and they took care of each other and they took care of the poor and they broke bread together and they were around tables together and they shared the good news of Jesus and they talked about how awesome he was and he did miraculous things because he was transforming them from the inside out. Since I've been alive, I've seen the good and the bad when it comes to church. I grew up in a church sub- subculture. I'm, I am grateful for my upbringing. Don't hear that in this, but I also want you to understand that the church in that day took the scripture, come out from the world and be separate to mean that the world is bad and we need to get out of the world. And so we created this subculture where there was Christian music and Christian magazines and Christian bookstores and Christian this and Christian that. So we didn't have to see the world. Why? Because we, the world was bad and we were good. And see, every asset has a liability. And the liability of that culture is simply that we looked at the world we were supposed to love because it says to be in the world, not of the world, not come out from the world physically like we did. And in that, we said the world is bad, but we are good. And that was judgment. And that put a gap between us and the world that we were called to reach. And so about 45 years ago, the Christian church started asking hard questions and saying we need to be a little bit more sensitive to the world around us. And in that, the seeker-sensitive church movement was born where we create atmosphere so that people feel comfortable and we, we share the gospel message with them but it is not judgmental. And at times it was all grace and no truth. 
And so the liability was consumerism in the church. Consumerism in the church was born where we come into a place and we consume religious goods and services because we didn't want to ask too much of you. We still find ourselves in that place. Church is something you go to instead of something that you're part of. That's part of the liability. It became one day over every day where we said, listen, as long as you get there on Sunday, man, I used to go to church four times a week. It was crazy. But no, we don't want to ask too much because you're busy and, and we don't want to put too much on you. Man, when I look at the word of God, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, but it costs you everything. The social gospel without Jesus where we're consuming, asking what you can do for me instead of well, how can I contribute to the mission of God? And what's sacrificed in that is the Spirit's leading because we know the pastor's voice or we have this person telling us what to do and you apply the word of God for us. I'm not saying that's you. I am simply saying what was sacrificed in that for many of us was the ability to know and hear the voice of God. So in difficult times, we wouldn't listen to the world, but we would listen to God. Biblical literacy. If you're getting the Bible once a week, then you're only eating one, one day out of seven. Community, where we actually grow, was sacrificed in all of that because we weren't going to ask too much. We wanted to be sensitive and we wanted the world to join in. And so we couldn't put big demands on or we didn't put big demands on. Sunday morning gatherings become the beginning of our week where we need it to survive instead of the end of the week it becomes the place we grow instead of the place we just glorify God together. If we began to see the Sunday morning not as the beginning of the week where we grow and where we consume, but the end of the week where we contribute to give glory to God, then we would never walk away dissatisfied because it would be about what we're giving to God, not what the church is giving to us. It changes everything. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying Sunday mornings are bad. They have their place, but every asset has a liability. And hear me, the liability often becomes reality the more we make it about us. And if the liability becomes reality, then you've lost the asset. And watering down the truth, we've watered down our own faith. And when it came time to be tested, we're seen for who we are. Just recently, Natalie and I were just talking about this, this pandemic. And, and I, I just want you to know... I, my heart is, it aches for those families who have lost loved ones in this. My heart aches for the division. My heart aches for the uncertainty, for the confusion, for the loss. It really does. And, and it is changing us in some ways for bad and in some ways for good. But my wife, we were talking and she said, man, this, this virus has really changed people. I said, no, it's actually revealed people myself included, for good or for bad, it's, it's showed us where our hope lies. It's, it's showed us where our faith is. Is faith our foundation? It's actually, if you take the values, it's, it's just revealed what's true. And, and for me, some of it, I'm lamenting and saying, God, I want to change that. I want that to be true about me because I'm your, I'm your kid. And others of it, I'm celebrating because, man, it's revealed that my trust is in him and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I've made some mistakes during this season, but it's also been my greatest season of growth. Why? Because of biblical community. Because almost five times a week, I find myself in places, in spaces, around tables, where I am knowing and being known and knowing, where there is trust that I am able to be transparent, where there's accountability, not to the bad things I do, but to the good things God calls me to that I don't necessarily do right away. Just being spirit-led. What is God saying? Not what is everybody, what is God saying? 
We're living as believers in so much captivity, but Jesus said it was for freedom that Christ set us free. God didn't want his kids captive and enslaved. So in scripture, he leads the people out. They're in captivity. They're crying out that God would free them. And God says, okay, I will come and I will bring you out because I want to be with you and I don't want that for you. Today, in, our, in these days, many of us have admitted that before the virus, when this came into our lives and we had the opportunity to reflect that our priorities were off. And so we said, we need to change our priorities. We said, man, there was so much idolatry. I was putting more things in front of God than deserved to be because God deserves to be number one. I was forgetting God because I was pursuing so many other things. We've admitted our captivity. I'm not free. I would look around the church and see the addicted still addicted, the hurting still hurting, the broken still broken and going, yeah, but we serve a God who wants to free us. What's going on? We were in captivity and we are admitting it. And God's going to say when we stand before him, what did you do with the weight? What did you do with the pause? And I believe we have an opportunity. And this is what I'm excited about to say, I'm done being a captive. I want to be free because it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And God is going, I will lead you out of Egypt. Exodus 13, 17 through 19, when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Church, God is doing something new. That's the promise, but he is also doing something new in his church. And methods change, but the message never does. The mission never does. And so we hold tight to mission, but we hold loose to methods. But sometimes it's the opposite. And so to accomplish the new thing he is doing in the world through his church, he has to do something new in his church. Captive people can't free people, but free people can free people. And I believe that God is calling us out of our spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and relational captivity. But it won't be easy because he will take us the way of the wilderness so that we won't turn back, so that we can't turn back, so that we can't say, I can't wait to get back to. No, we want to go forward into what God has for us because he has freedom for us. He wants to transform our heart. He wants to form our heart into the image of his son. And man, when will we as the church say, whatever it takes, God, just do that. And I think the time is now. I'm sensing that in his church. There is a, there is a, a holy discontent. And so as bad as captivity was, and as ba bad as the people of Israel wanted freedom, God knew they would want to go back. But the promised land is at stake. Don't kid yourself, church. There is a battle, and it's way more spiritual than physical. And we're in the midst of it. And we have the chance today to keep heading for the promised land. And so we must follow where God leads us. And that's community, community, community. God's given me three words lately. Community, community, community. Whatever it takes where we discern, where we heal, where we grow, where we get to be free. Our hearts are cared for by each other, by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. I know that for many of us, when we think about biblical community and coming together we may have to unlearn more than we learn because we have in our mind preconceived ideas of what it means to sit around a table and hold space and be known. That might feel weird. That might feel like I don't know how to do that. We want to spend the next three weeks showing you and talking to you about what that would look like. Inspiring your heart to say, my heart needs 
the gathering of God's people around tables in biblical community where I can be known, where trust can happen, where the spirit can lead and heal and bring hope. We need to realize that that has led us to see this virus not as a cause of decision, but an opportunity to make a decision to put all of our eggs in the community basket for a season. And I say for a season that we realize that maybe God is taking the stage and our time around the stage away for a season or allowing it to go for a season so that we can fully invest in the table where we grow and heal and discern. Maybe instead of putting all of our energy in trying to gather on a Sunday morning, God would call us to put all of our energy in getting around tables together biblical community happening in our lives because it's the most important thing we need right now. It's actually the most important thing the world needs right now. Christians who know how to gather people around tables. I would say it's less risky to walk in a room and sit in a chair and consume religious goods and services than it is to open your home and invite someone to your table. Go to a coffee shop and invite someone to your table. Sit in biblical community. It's hard. It's not easy but it changes and transforms us. It's where we grow and heal and discern. And so we have decided as a leadership by God's leading that for the rest of this year, we're going to take a season away from the stage and we are not going to gather on Sundays until 2021. And I know that that will bring some grief and some lament and that will be hard to process. And we are here to process that with you, but I'm actually the most excited about that. I love the Sunday church. I love the gathering. I love glorifying God. He deserves it. But I think we get to glorify God in a different way. And it's in a way where we actually grow. And I think the best way to glorify God is to grow in God. And we'll do that around tables. And so for the next four months, we're going to invest in that in your life and do everything we can to help you find a table where you can know and be known and have trust that will bring transparency and spirit leading and accountability. Everything we can. Matter of fact, We are so serious about this that we have made a move as a church. And I want to share that. Before I do, I want to give you a couple things. We will still be live streaming every week at 10 a.m. Matter of fact, the service will be available at 8.30 a.m. You can jump on. And I would encourage you as a family to develop a new routine. Develop a routine, whatever it takes, a Sunday routine. Man, that was a good habit we had, and many of us have lost that. I would, well, whether that's with community or that's with your family, because you have community during the week, develop a Sunday routine where you are listening, because we're going to be giving lots of ways in which we can begin to gather around tables and create space for biblical community, hold space for each other, redefine what that looks like, grow together. I would also say to us that for the next three weeks, tune in, especially in that new rhythm and make sure that you're listening. And if we feel the need as a church throughout this time to gather, we will figure that out. If we sense God is doing that, but we want you to know that community, biblical community is so important to us that we are going to take this season and this time and we're going to go for that over anything else because we have been given the opportunity to do that. I love you. I love you as a church. I love you as a people. I love what God is doing in you for good or for bad when we're, when we're doing it right. And when we're doing it wrong, I miss seeing all of you, but I pray that this would be our finest hour. I pray it would be our finest hour. And I don't want you to jump off yet because I want you to hear this is so serious. God is doing something so powerful that I've got some really good news I want to share with you. And so I want you to listen to this. Carrie, first of all, it's 
awesome to have you here with us. And most of our people know you, especially from the women's conferences, and you've got to share on Sunday, and we talk about you all the time, and mm-hmm. just, just love your gifts and, and your love for Jesus. Um, but something's happened recently. That's a little crazy. <laughs> where <laughs> you and Mario have taken your family and left California and moved to the Lake Zurich area. Tell me about that. Yes, we have done that. And it's a long story. So I'll have, now that I live here, I have plenty of time to share with (laughs) you all. Um, But yes, short story is definitely, have you ever had that moment in your life where you feel like, I want to be on the side of history where something is happening. And Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to look back on my life and say, even though it was crazy, even though it was hard, like I did the thing that put me on the side of history yep. where there was something radical happening. And and to be honest with you, as crazy as this might be to all of you and as crazy as it was to me, yes. um, we truly believe that God is doing something here that my curiosity could not keep me from. That's awesome. And there's a lot of amazing just hand holding and holding along the way that the Lord helped us with to really get us to making sure this was the right decision. But ultimately, um, supernaturally, God was really impressing upon our hearts that um, what would it look like to pack up and go see what I'm doing in this town of Lake Zurich? And if you take my hand, Carrie, Mario, and all Mm -hmm. your children, um, I promise you, you're going to see something amazing. So so we packed up to be a part of it. And here you are. (laughs) Here you are. And it's, and it's so clearly God. Like, I can't wait for everybody to actually hear the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just need, I want you guys to know that it's just so affirming for us mm-hmm. um, in what God is doing in this church and in its people. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, uh, and this, this I'm most excited about is we're, that affirmation is so clear to us that we're bringing you on staff. It's Bizarre, um, nuts, crazy, awesome. Yep. We're, we are beyond excited. You're mm-hmm. just, get ready, right? <laughs> um, and, the, and the role will be to help us train leaders mm. to hold space around tables. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot of definition to it. Sure. Where the Holy Spirit actually does the work mm-hmm. and real transformation happens. Can you just kind of give us a glimpse into that? Because I'm really excited about what God is going to do in that, Mm -hmm. and that as he's leading us from the stage to the table, he's bringing us somebody who just is really gifted Mm. in that, and God has used you in that. Mm, That's so kind. Thank you. I I mean, we can't get into the details because this is just for a few minutes, but I will say the overarching thing that I'm most excited about is I truly believe as a human race and the time that we're in, Um, We are desperate to be seen and known. And um, I think we're really often, maybe back in the day, um, really quick to fix someone, really quick to just go like, here's a prayer. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Pray for people. But here's a scripture. Here's a prayer. um, and, And we don't know what else to do with them. And I really believe that what God is inviting us into here at this church at this time is to invite people into the table, not to fix them, but to truly sit with them, to engage in their hearts to see them as your brother, your sister, your friend, to see them as your neighbor, to feed Mm. them. Um, And so I think when Jesus said, like, feed your neighbor, I think he just actually meant just like feed your neighbor. Um, You know, it's it's not that complicated. And so coming here and being able to have the incredible opportunity 
to be able to train um, our leaders and our lay people to actually ask powerful questions that lead to the Holy Spirit illuminating someone's heart is what I'm so excited about. And I believe that um, now more than ever, now more than ever, it's time for us to care about the state of someone's heart and to yeah. see them for um, and how God sees them. God met with them right where they were, and the Holy Spirit changed where they were going. And I'm excited to be a part of that. First of all, so am I, and I've got to experience that happening, um, obviously, um, in relationship with you and as we've got to have these conversations. But just real quick, freedom is such a, a, a huge word for you. Mm. Can you just... Um, maybe to, to everybody just listening, how important is freedom for their lives? Well, freedom, how I define it, is mm-hmm. the courageous acts of loving who you were created to be. Yeah. And each one of us have this incredible print on us, unique to us and our story, that God has infused purpose through. And so if we can begin to understand that the stories of harm and the stories of triumph all make up who we are, that to step into freedom is courage, the courageous act of loving who we were created to be and in that loving, meeting others where they are, letting us um, be seen and them be seen. And so really this, this... this avenue to freedom isn't just a, I got a ticket to heaven and here we go. Um, It truly is this journey of what it means to be free and fully alive. And to be free and fully alive here on earth is to allow God's kingdom to come to earth, to be here right Right now, now. that we do not have to wait till we get to heaven. So I I am excited. Guys, I'm excited to be here at a church where God said, Carrie, come, because I'm doing something so amazing and radical. Mm. I don't want you to miss out on it. I'm not coming because I'm the answer or I'm so great. I'm coming because God's doing something great here, and I don't want to miss it. And I don't want to miss it. That's awesome. And neither do we. Mm -hmm. So welcome to the team. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to where we're headed. Thank you so much. Wow, we are so excited to have Carrie Garcia joining us on staff and for her to be a part of all that God is doing in and through our church in this upcoming year. We truly believe that our best days are ahead of us. So once again, everyone, thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next week.